We're looking at David, uh, the person of David. Uh, when you start listing out all of the things that David is, he is, uh, he is a unique person in the scripture. Uh, tell me one of the titles that David carries. Friend of God. Okay, good. King. What was the other one? King. Shepherd. Man after God's own heart. Title might be throwing you off, you know, but a descriptive word of David. Father. Soldier. He is the baby of the family. Yeah. Brother Bill. He gave us a wonderful hope, didn't he? Yeah, amen. Amen. He gave us a wonderful hope. Psalmist? A giant killer. We can keep going. You get the idea? I mean, David carries a lot of unique titles. And today we're going to look at musician slash shepherd, uh, this unique person of David who wrote music and killed people. Right? That's David. He was a soldier. He was so bloody in his, in his soldiering that God said, your hands are too bloodied for you to be able to build my house. You remember? And yet, he wrote the beautiful psalms that we all love to read and to sing. And, and so, he's just a unique person. And so, we're going to look a little bit at David today. But we're going to start with this uh, concept that the Bible teaches us in 1 Kings first, and then Psalm 46. 1 Kings 19. So there's all of these things. He says, go and stand and the Lord is going to pass by and there's a wind and there's an earthquake and there's fire and there's all these things and nothing that is the Lord. And then there is a still small voice and the Lord speaks. In Psalm 46, it says... Now, if... If we have hopes, ambitions, desires, dreams, to have an inkling of what David had in his relationship to the Lord, we need to go all the way back to David's teen years as this little shepherd boy and this musician, at least this beginning musician, maybe more than a beginner because he was fairly skilled, he was called to play in the king's palace just shortly after this and remember that all of david's beginnings started with finding some time to be still and know that he is god was being able to look past all of the hustle and bustle all of the earthquake and the fire and the wind and the flood and to hear the still small voice of God. Because that's the beginnings of David becoming a man after God's own heart. I do not believe we ever get to David being a man after God's own heart if we don't start with a shepherd boy all by himself, time alone with God. 
Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us now tonight as we look at your word, that you would challenge us with it, that you would give us a desire to become even an inkling of what David was in his relationship to you. May we be willing to jump off of this life that is so busy and hectic for just a little while and hear your still small voice. And Father, we will thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to look at two psalms. And I don't know exactly where David was in the writing of these psalms. I don't know. I don't know how it all happened. But in my mind, it fits very well with this young shepherd boy out all by himself, No one else around. But here is what I do know. It is difficult today to find time to be alone with God. And apart from time alone with God, we cannot know that he is God. We must be still to know that he is God. This is the reality. We're not going to find God in the earthquake and the wind and the flood and the fire and all the hustle and bustle. We're going to find God when we set everything else aside and we take time to listen for the still small voice. I believe these two psalms come out of this young shepherd boy sitting by himself, laying on his back, listening to the bleeding of the sheep, making sure that there's no wolves or bears or lions. Remember the story when he, when he goes to kill uh, Goliath? He tells King Saul, hey, I've already killed a bear and a lion. Saul's no, or, you know, uh, Goliath is nobody, right? This is what it is to be a shepherd boy. But can you imagine this little shepherd boy sitting out there and looking up at the stars? And let's look at Psalm 19 together. The heavens declare the glory of God. And when's the last time you stopped, stopped long enough to look up and see the hand of God? See the reality of God. The heavens are shouting out, declaring the glory of God. And I can just imagine this little shepherd boy looking up. And the beginnings of a man after God's own heart begin to set in. You know why we are never overwhelmed with our God? Is because we never get away from our iPad long enough to see what God is doing. So here's David. When David gets finished with these psalms, he is so moved that it's the stirrings, the beginnings of a desire to say, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. Remember we looked at last week? How does that happen? Well, it's when David's looking at him and think, wow, any God so great as to do this, I want. I want to develop a relationship with this God. Listen to what it says. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Everywhere on the planet, no matter what language people speak, everyone looks up and sees the glory of God. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. That is why in Romans chapter 1, God declares that everyone is without excuse. 
right? Because everyone can look up and have the beginnings of God's declaration to their soul. But when we never take the time to stop, to slow down, to put things aside, when we're so busy with the hustle and bustle, we miss the still small voice. We miss being still and knowing that he is God. Keep going. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he hath set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom that cometh out of his chamber and rejoicing, and as a strong man that runneth the race. And you can see David, right? He sees the stars at night in the daylight. He's watching the sun. He's putting all this together thinking, there must be an awesome God in heaven. Because he's taking time to notice what God is doing, what God has done. And so the sun is running this race across the sky as a strong man to run a race. Verse 6, his going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit under the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. He's talking about the sun now. There's nothing. The, the God of heaven, the God that heaven is declaring, has created this sun so that everything is touched by the heat of the sun. It, it is an amazing thing when you just put the whole concept of creation together and look at what God does so much better than man, right? We, can't, we cannot do what God can do with a thought in heating the world or cooling it down. Some of you want me to turn up the heat. Others have, I love it because I've got people out here nussling up and, and then other people with the fan and I'm right with the fan people. But anyway, you know, it, it uh, is what it is. But we, we take some time. We, we've got to slow our lives down. This is not easy. We live in the 21st century. Life is fast-paced, right? I mean, didn't you just get up this morning and you said, and don't you, you come to the end of a Sunday like me and you say, I thought this was supposed to be a day of rest, right? I mean, and it's been, you've run a marathon and you come to the end of the day, you're just, you're just exhausted. And this is the day of rest. Tomorrow's the busy day, Right? Today is not the busy day. And so David found opportunity to pull himself aside, to be still and know who God was, to understand what it is to hear that still, small voice. <clears throat> he goes on in verse uh, 7. In fact, we could sing these, but we've been singing choruses all, uh, all night. We may as well sing these, right? So verses 7, 8, 9, and 10 are choruses. Andrew didn't, Pastor Andrew didn't know that I was going to uh, be preaching from this, and I didn't know he was going to do choruses. So here, how many of you know this song? Now here's the warning. I've got to tell you. Uh, it is weird. There's about 15 different versions to fit this song in. I mean, it's like people just do the, the, the words a little bit differently. Not the words, the words are right here. But the, the timing a little bit differently. So uh, I'm leading it. You sing whatever you know. We'll just get through it, all right? We're just going to kind of run through it real quickly. You sing the first verse, verse 7, and then you sing verse 10, which is the chorus. Then verse 8, then verse 10, then verse 9, then verse 10. Let's do it together. The law of the Lord. You guys sing on the boards. Converting the soul <clears throat> of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Go to verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Verse 8. 
The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Verse 10, more to be de. Gold, sweeter also than honey, and the honeycomb. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine Sweeter also than honey and the honey. Now here's what I want to show you something. This is amazing. David starts out by looking to the heavens. The heavens declare the glory of God. He sees the stars. He sees the moon. He sees the sun moving across the sky. And then there's this major leap to the law of the Lord is perfect. More to be desired are they than gold. And what I want to say to you is, that is not a major leap. It's only a major leap if you never spend any time alone with God long enough to notice his handiwork. But once your heart has been drawn to the Lord, then having your heart drawn to the word is very natural. That's not a major leap. That's the natural progression. That's what should happen. You know why sometimes we're struggling to find any time to be with the word is because we're never seeing God anyplace else. David, he sees the heavens. They declare unto him God. And the next thing David is saying, the word is more to be desired than gold. You see, David found it very easy to say, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Because he spent time noticing God's handiwork. It takes time to develop a relationship. It takes time to develop a relationship with people. It takes time to develop a relationship with God. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen accidentally. David, finding time to be alone and quiet and with his thoughts. And if David, I am convinced, if David lived in this day and age... The only way he would become a man after God's own heart is to put his cell phone down and leave it there when he went out to find time to be alone with God. This isn't going to happen accidentally. And I'm aware that technology has a lot to offer. I carry my Bible in my pocket just like you do. It's great to have that tool. It's a wonderful thing. I'm not against technology. But technology has become our enemy because we never slow down enough to see the handiwork of God. And we wonder why there's no Davids or there's very few Davids in our world. He starts by being alone with God and he comes to this conclusion. The word of God is better than anything. More to be desired than gold. Much fine gold. Sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. More than I could even want. Verse 11, moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. That means the commandments of God, the things of God. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me, thou, cleanse thou me from secret faults. So this is an amazing thing. What happens with spending time alone with God is that our hearts are turned toward the word of God. 
And from the word of God, we begin to look inward. Lord, what do I need to do to clean up my life? I'm not trying to be mean. This is just the reality. You know why sometimes people don't want to be alone with God? Because it forces us to deal with us. David finds time to be alone with God. And he spends long enough time to notice God's handiwork. And his heart is drawn to the word. And from the word, he begins to look inward. And he says, Lord, is there something in my life that I need to deal with? Is there something that's keeping me, God, from being a man after your own heart? Because whatever it is, God, I want you to show it to me. Because these things are more to be desired than anything else I've ever found yet. Show me. Keep back thy servant from presumptuous sin. And let, not, let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. And then he ends this. This is where all of this thought process leads. And let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You want to be a David? You're going to have to find some time to find to be alone with God. I'm going to show you another psalm that I believe uh, is written in the same concept. Look over to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. I know these are both very famous psalms. But imagine, here's, here's this young shepherd boy. He's spending a lot of time out there just contemplating life. We don't spend time contemplating life. We spend time playing video games. Some of you are probably doing that right now. And I'm not laughing. I'm serious. Shame on you. Give God his due. It's no wonder we're shallow in our Christian walk. Because we're shallow in our approach to God. But David, who finds time to be alone with God, is drawn to God. And that leads us to Psalm 139. And he begins as he's contemplating the truth that he knows about God. As heaven is screaming at him the truth about God. As he's been drawn to God's word, he comes to this. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. God, I'm out here in this field all by myself. And there's not a thing that you don't know about me. You see, we hide behind the busyness of our lives in the 21st century. And we've convinced ourselves that somehow God doesn't know me like he does. And that somehow we're actually keeping things from him. But David, he has no place to hide. Here he is. He's out here. There's nobody around. He's got a few sheep to talk to and a lion to kill every now and again. Otherwise, it's him and God. Oh, Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting, my uprising. You know when I'm sitting. You know when I'm standing. Thou knowest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down. There's no place I go, God, but you're not right there with me. Thou compassest my path and my lying down. What does it say? And art acquainted. This is scary to death. And art acquainted with all my ways. There's nothing that God doesn't know about me. He's acquainted with everything, right? This is the conclusion David reaches when he's looking at this awesome God. If God can control all of this happening then how am I going to hide anything from God? 
and, and David comes to this conclusion. There's nothing hidden. For there is not a word in my tongue, O Lord, but thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge, he says. When's the last time that something you learned about God was too wonderful for you? When's the last time that you were so awestruck by God that you were overwhelmed with the knowledge? Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain into it. I can't even comprehend it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, and whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee. But the night shineth as the day, and the darkness as the light. Both are alike to thee. For thou hast, compassed, uh, thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Think about this one. Look, look at David's thoughts. All this because, comes because David's spending time alone with God. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. By the way, that same statement is true of every one of us. So uh, Miss Judy Spain in her wheelchair, crippled from birth, fearfully and wonderfully made. Everything you wish you could change about your physical nature, fearfully and wonderfully made. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. And curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did not did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. O God, how great the sum of them. You see what David's doing? The Bible calls this meditation, by the way. He's taking time to think through what he knows about God. And he thinks to himself, if this God of mine knows so much about me and still loves me and does so much for me, and if this God of mine has taken time to fashion all of my members just the way he wants them and made me fearfully and wonderfully made, I come to this conclusion. How precious are thy thoughts to me. They can't even be counted how many ways you want to bless me. God's desire is toward us. He says, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. By the way, think of this. Where's, where's David at? Where's Israel at? Yeah, he's out there in the Middle East. You think David's seen sand? A lot of it. And David comes to this conclusion. God's wonderful thoughts toward me are greater in number than the sand. You don't come to that conclusion by watching Netflix. Do you understand? It's unplugging and turning our hearts and minds and eyes toward the Lord. 
And this shepherd boy has set himself on a path to become a man after God's own heart. Because he's allowed God to begin to speak to his soul. He says, surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take, uh, take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect, hate, perfect hatred and count them as en- mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see, Lord, if there be some wicked way in me. And lead me the way everlasting. Lord, make me a David. We say it. We might even mean it. But it's never going to happen until, like David, we find some alone time, some quiet time. We find some time to look up at the heavens long enough to let all of its truth speak to our hearts. And David is beginning to be made in that man after God's own heart. Heads bowed, eyes closed.